Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo. And, why, are you, uh, why are you laughing, Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo? Because uh, James is... Um, <laughs> <laughs> if, if only we did the, a video cast, you could see all the, uh, all the no, things that James gets up to. No, we're definitely not doing that. Um, no. Introduce me. Stop getting distracted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here with James Heathers, who is newly affiliated... At uh, Northwestern University. Northeastern, Jesus Christ, man! This is a very large country. <laughs> Northeastern is 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 Northwestern such a thing? Yes, absolutely. Okay, it's, it's pretty good. They're they're both okay. Anything they're that's uh, okay. north north prefixed is all right by my by my is good. account. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Well, we're going to jump straight into it today, and uh, we're going to talk about being a serious academic. <laughs> You have, to, you have to say that with a um, serious <laughs> academic. Now, you may have seen uh, floating around on the internets this article that came out about a week ago, which was titled, I'm a serious academic, not a professional Instagrammer. When I saw this <laughs> pop up in my Twitter feed, I was like, hello, what, is this, what does this mean? And uh, I had a look through, and at first I thought, oh, it, it, this sounds like some, some old professor you know, the uh, shaking fist at a cloud type who's getting angry at all the youngins doing social media. But within the first paragraph, they actually say, uh, this, this person is anonymous, by the way, but they actually say that um, there are a, a young PhD student, so that is not the case. So, James, serious academics, what do you think about this article? What do you think about the whole social media thing? That is such a like a, a softball tee up where people people know that we've obviously set these topics in advance. Yeah, we, we send each other articles um, all the time. Yeah, so <laughs> what I haven't told you is the full extent of my opinions about this article. Um, my full opinion, without wanting to hold anything back, uh, for, for the the interests of uh, our listeners and for our own personal edification, uh, is that that this person is a cynical, vain, weird, cross-eyed div, and they should be flying into the sun. It irritated me more than things I read in the Guardian usually do. <laughs> And I really wish that whoever it is, and I'm assuming it's a guy, because it has a certain pissiness to it that I associate with a male voice. You yeah. know, you know the kind of thing I mean. Oh, it's, uh, no, it could go either way. It's just that's that's my suspicion. Uh, is that it's some narky guy who thinks he's cleverer than other people, and he doesn't want to waste his special PhD powers on the. On the Instagrams and the social medias and the uh, da, da 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 It's just a long string of piss with words in it. And it totally, it just defeated my ability to stay calm the other day. I okay. thought even... What did the... I write to you about it originally? Yeah, this is shit. I'm happy to yell right at it. That was my <laughs> initial response. And it wasn't in caps, so I'm getting better. Yeah, that's good. What about your initial response, Daniel Santiago Quintana? I just thought even the title was weird. Um, beyond, <laughs> look be, beyond people who are in kind of the um the the digital humanities, I really don't know that many academics who are even using Instagram as um. Yeah, Insta that was an interesting choice. So I, I thought that that was strange. I mean, I, I know quite a few people who have um, hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and Facebook, um, and then they also have an Instagram account. I pop pop on, see what they're doing, and uh, each of their photos might get sort of uh, eight or ten likes compared to the thousands of shares their articles get. So it's not really a common thing that academics are doing. So I thought, okay. That's really weird that they're <laughs> not a professional Instagrammer. Um, maybe they are in the digital humanities. I don't know. But it doesn't really sound like it uh, from, from the tone of the article. Um, but, yeah, it was, um, it was really weird. And it almost seems like it was uh, stemming from a bit of uh, frustration from the hires up telling them. Uh, I think we've spoke about in the previous episode of uh, people at certain newspapers who... Um, um, who are told or ordered, you know, you must tweet at least once 
to have a have a social media presence. It almost seems like it's the same sort of situation here with this person, where they're finding that their um their hires are telling them you got to you got to be on social media, you got to be um you got to be doing all these things, and they're mm. or it shaking. becomes some fucking the expectation of you know they all they send everyone to a big seminar and. Some twat gets up and 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 sets an expectation and feel people feel a certain social pressure, even if it's on me. Because if if you'd had a large department full of scientists and you'd made that an official policy, it would it would be back on. Ironically, the social media within twenty minutes and the entire world would be laughing at them. So yeah. it's probably you know maybe they have a, a an advisor who's particularly you know a lot a lot of people think they'll do social media like it's a thing. I'll get out there and do some social media. It's like I deal with these people when I write who want content. They don't oh, the want C word. a thing about, yeah, I really, that's the real C word if you ask me. Um, <laughs> it, you know, like it's apples. Yeah, or, or sprockets. I'd like some content, please. How much content? Five content when you can Five organize. Five content. Yeah, so... <laughs> People have the same attitude towards social media, like it's 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 a thing in and of itself. You're 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 collapsing the ability to communicate with other people into the platform which you do it. You shouldn't really you're completely platform agnostic. You shouldn't really give a shit about it. I mean, I get the I get the luxury in a way of telling Twitter to go and fuck itself um, because I don't like Twitter. But you I, use I, Facebook. I, I use yeah, but I'm fine. I'm fine with Facebook. I have no character limits. I don't have to put up with the entire world. It doesn't have a, a, a culture of baked-in pissiness where people treat each other shittily. They try and have long discursive arguments and these tiny little fragments of bullshit and things that are much better suited to actually using the English language, not trying to finger it in a corridor. <laughs> oh, but anyway, back to the idiot. Um... This is the, 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 this. I suspect that this trend stems from the work of co careers advice gurus. You must remember, potential employers could be googling your name right now, keeping an eye on your social media timelines. Yeah, if I if I'm a, a, a fucking if I work in an ad agency, maybe. You know, mm. if I'm going to become the the fucking point man for someone doing digital media, what happens if I'll tell you what happens if I Google you. If I put in Daniel Santiago Taco Escarbon Quintana, if I stick that into Google, I get your personal website, your lab website, your research gate, your LinkedIn, all of these things that are, are, are set up in the SEO, everything touches everything else world to, to come up first. The things that have got your name in them publicly that are linked to all the other shit that you've published. All mm. the stuff you've written for major publications, stuff in the conversation, stuff that's in academic journals, your frontiers loop, which you can't stop, your publons or your or your, your ORCID, if you've got one. Mm. And all of those things are cross-linked and designed to be available publicly. It doesn't come up with your private Facebook. It doesn't come up with your fucking Instagram. If it comes up with your Twitter, it means that you're doing so much Twitter that you're probably not doing very much academic scissors. Yeah. You know, and try I, I, to tweet regularly so to ensure that people know that you love your work and are truly dedicated to the world of science. Go fuck yourself. I mean, if if you, you try to tweet regularly to ensure that people you know you love your work, as opposed to doing the work which is available by exactly the same arcane process of typing the name into the Google search bar that everything else is. Yeah, that was weird. It's no one, no one thinks that. I don't think that. Why do we? Why do we talk about science in the public sphere to start with? Well, it's to well to collaborate. Is this with is this a cynical attempt to do career building stuff? You talking to me, doing this? No, no, no one would ever put up with this if they didn't have an intrinsic <laughs> interest in what we're actually doing. You have no idea of the shit I say to this man when you people aren't listening. <laughs> What normal conversations are like? Uh, working in the middle of the night, uh, putting putting stuff you're putting stuff out on Twitter because someone might notice that you care. Everyone cares, or you wouldn't do it. Mm. 
You know, I'll go through the wonderful, cushy, easy ride of a scientific career. That'll all be extremely straightforward. And then we can make the assumption that I really... What if you don't want someone who really super gets... What if you're trying to fill a position in a lab with someone who's extremely competent? And you look up their Twitters and they're tweeting three tweets about the science every single day. Do they look more or less productive? Less productive. Well, yeah, to the right, to the right lab head, probably Dude. less. Yeah. You do, you've got a, a 71-year-old senior professor on the verge of retirement. <laughs> do you want your PubMed coming up? Or do you want your no. fucking Instagram? But, but, but the thing that the, uh, the author seems to be forgetting is the, they just completely missed the point of social media, that it's not there to look good, to look good for future employers, but it's the more ancillary benefits that you get, um, the, the collaborations. I mean, I've got a number of collaborations through, through using Twitter. Oh, shit. Um, Come on. How many people just email you because they, they saw something you did that you did simply because you were compelled to? That's in the that's in the social world, and even if you're just writing normal stuff, and then everything's being sewn together because people are sharing it. I mean, where do you think people come up from in the first place? I had so many conversations with people. Write a serious thing in a place. Someone else writes about it on social media. That is actually put in front of people. It's just a conduit. It's not a thing in and of itself. And you Mm. can't get. There's no free vanity points. And you know, I think, yeah. unless you unless you've got something that's really huge and it's worth going, oh look, one hundred and fifty thousand people read this. That's actually interesting. Mm. Until you're at that point, and it, it it represents something where you might be changing public consciousness or something. And until then, why the hell would you care? Yeah, you know. Sorry, I interrupted you because I'm getting cranky. <laughs> that's what this, that's what articles like this do. Uh, the other thing they were talking about was the use of social media during conferences. You know, they're, all, they're 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 lamenting the good old days when when they were probably in high school of conferences where people weren't using phones. Yeah, it, um, I've, every conference I've ever been to has been someone in the, in the audience with a laptop. Uh, doctors are the worst for this out of anyone. You had a mm. hall full of doctors. Are they listening to you carefully? Let's let's be let's be balls out honest about this. Most people presenting at conferences are boring. Agreed. A lot of them are nervous, and that's fine. Some people aren't particularly comfortable being stared at by somewhere between ten and three thousand people. Uh, a lot of the work is not directly interesting to people. I'd say if you go to a session and there's six things, it would be a good day if you had a specific interest in three. Mm. So you could successfully make the argument that we should reorganize conferences. And there's a lot of conference streams, especially small conferences, that are way more successful than others. The big box kind of conference thing, you know, it's a, it's a good opportunity to meet people. It's a ter- it's often a terrible opportunity to do anything else. It's good it's good opportunity to discover stuff. You're gonna have a really strong in depth discussion with that one person who really knows a thing, you know. Yeah, you're probably gonna find them at some niche interest group thing where there's twenty or thirty people. Those conferences rock. Once when you meet everyone, we all have common interests. You know, finding them can be hard. Finding a location for them can be a real bitch. Europe does this much better than the United States a lot of the time. Some biggest shits closer together. Hmm. You know? So, yeah, look, conferences are, are boring a lot of the time. And I, you know, I don't do them. Like there's people who go to a conference and everything's, ah, oh, they want to see all the things. And they, they look, they don't fall asleep in sessions and they don't, they don't <laughs> lose their temper. And, uh, yeah, I don't do amazingly with them, frankly. And I'm... Yeah. Are you on your phone? Are you on your laptop? You're not paying attention. Yeah. Look, I'm probably writing something. <laughs> a lot of the time, who's the other thing? Is it you? You're on your phone. Oh, he's doing too much Instagramming. A lot of the time, I'm emailing the person who's presenting to me at the time because I don't know if I'm going to see them in the next two days. Just saw your presentation. Have question. Have clarification. Want to do a thing? Please talk to me about this stuff because you know there's there's 50 people between me and the person. I can go and try and buttonhole them, but there's no guarantee I'll ever see them again. Mm. If they're really interested, they'll say some shit like, 
Come to the hotel lobby bar at 6 p.m. tomorrow. We can talk about that. That's super interesting. We've got a paper half done. We don't know how to finish it. That's, yeah. So, you know, I some people care and some people like don't. Um, people are also really shit. I mean, I think I'm bad at networking until I meet normal people. Holy fucking Jesus. Poking cards in your face. I've given so many people business cards where they go, oh, I've got this one particular problem. But that's actually interesting. I'm going to write the specifics of this problem and think on this business card, we can probably solve that. I can show you how to fix that problem. It's actually, it's interesting. I have an intrinsic interest in this. I'm happy. I don't want to be on your paper. I don't want to be your best friend, but I can help you. Do you know how many of those people write to me? About a quarter. Others just don't respond. Yeah, what's the thing? Well, the card has got a thing. It's got details on it. It's got the details written on the thing. You have a problem with the the thing. This is this is good. Let's be friends. You know, I don't want to come over to your house and steal your fucking pets. I'm just going to show you how to fix that because it's part of the culture. Mm. Three quarters of people don't care. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, do you, do do you think that a lot of that? Because um, I find that. Um, one of the first things people do is work out what your position is and where your institution. And quite often, I find out when, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a bit of. Oh God, really? Yeah, yeah. Really? Um, ma- ma- maybe it's more for more at the psychiatry conferences. But I find that uh, you're, you're in a conversation with someone. Uh, oh, oh, so you so you're not a you know so you're not a, a professor, and they're kind of you know they're starting to do the look around to see if there's someone else to talk to, or or, or they. You know, they they find out that I'm not at a U.S. institution. Oh, um, yeah. right. Because if you were at a U.S. institution, you'd have so much less stress and so much more money than Norway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I mean, that that that's what I no, not all the time, but I, that's what I occasionally experience. Well, that is class as bullshit. Yeah. Some of the best signal analysts I've ever met have been sweaty basement types. What institution <laughs> are you? Ah, oh, the lower university of upside down. Go fuck yourself. You know, mm. people have, you, you don't know what people's skill sets are. That's a, and you also, there's no, there's no prediction. There, a lot of people who are doing particularly well at the whatever, who are in the right place. I mean, what do they have really? Oh yeah, they've got a good record. Well, yeah, okay. A lot of people have a good record. How do they choose this? Do they have a talent for self-promotion? Do they go to a lot of conferences? Mm. What makes them special? A lot of the time, what you need solved, you don't need, like I said, you don't need someone to be your best friend. You're talking about starting things and solving problems. You're looking for specific people with specific skill sets. The guarantee that they'll come from fancy university Malone is a very, very shaky proposition. For people who believe in evidence, I wish I'd fucking paid more attention to it. God, this is putting me in a terrible mood. I'd say it's your fault, but I did agree to do this. (laughs) <laughs> oh man! Do you know any academics on Instagram? I know of a small pocket of academics who. What, are they, are what you... do they do? I, you know, no, no, you no! Take no. Photos I'm not Like, oh, look at this! Look at this! It's a Fourier transform. <laughs> no, I, I know a small pocket of academics who are using uh, Snapchat, and they're using Snapchat to um, tell their stories, tell stories about their research, what they do. Um, particularly interesting around conferences. Mm, um, yeah. people taking uh, t- people taking photos, short videos of posters, um, and um, others using it more as a way of science outreach, where they just go, "Hey, this is um, this is me. This is me as a scientist, um, uh, d- doing my thing. Um, you know, this this is this is what I do from day to day." Not many though. Um, but uh, I- I'll post uh, post a link. There's a network, and they're called Snapademics. I think I hate them. <laughs> do I? Now no, it's, sure. it's, it's really good. It's really good. Is it? Uh, I, yeah, I think. Well, it's, you can um, put it in the show links, and I don't know. Yeah. I generally like things that you like. It's uh, but, it's uh, it's a novel. It's a novel way of of you know presenting your research, and I think it's a good. Maybe uh, it's not awful. I don't know. I yeah. have a, one of those sort of instant resistance things to that. Yeah. Oh man, Boston is so noisy today. If I could go out there and reprogram these people with a baseball bat, I would. <laughs> Oh, the public transport's broken again. The with that, uh, yeah, with Snapchat now that um, well, now that Instagram has actually introduced Instagram Stories, which is uh, basically a clone of Snapchat, there, there could be an opportunity for academics to actually use that as a way of um, of sharing their research. But uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. 
yeah. but it's 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 never going to be a formal way of disseminating. This is uh this this is what I'm doing, but it's a good way. Yeah, yeah. Look, I I, 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 I take I take I take your point. I I quite like science culture things that are the the day to day science stuff being shared between people. I mean, what it's what it's like to do it, the experience that that could go well. Do you remember that uh, the the PhD comic? Piled higher and deeper. It's great. Loved it. The reason that's so incredibly successful is because there's almost no one in that space where you're talking about what it's like to write drafts for a senior professor, what it's like <laughs> to 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 mark eighty identical shit house term papers that make you want to kill yourself. You know what mm. it's like working in a busy lab where you've got all these stereotypical but not sort of characters. You know. The angry foreign postdoc, the 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 guy who doesn't know <laughs> that, that, what he's that's doing. That's you now, James. The super scary. Shut up. The the, <laughs> the, the, the super scary, hyper competent older person. The you know the the person who's so super famous in the lab that's never there because they're always taking their research on the road or doing conferences or whatever. Mm. And these characters, it's a it's a thing. It's got its own milieu. Can I use that word? Yeah, of course I can. Yeah, yeah, um, that works. So. There's not a lot of things in that space. Maybe the the Snapchats and the Instagrams are an opportunity to have more of a go at that stuff. Yeah, I think it is. Um, I, I have I a lot of sympathy it. for someone that's just a photo, a broken pipette on the ground that goes, this is my life now. <laughs> I know. It, I, I, think, I think it's great. And I, I actually, um, I've... I've dabbled in doing a few snapchat stories about um some you know sort of some results from some papers that we've done um the only problem with snapchat is it's really hard to find other people um but with instagram because it's huh. with facebook if you're friends with people on facebook you can uh, find them on instagram and huh. it's really easy okay so, i wonder how that works with groups and pages uh yeah that that's actually a really good question but all you need to do is set up an instagram account and then just tell your page hey this is um this is my instagram account um photos I, you know i was actually growing tired of instagram to be honest because a lot of it was becoming a let, let's just um take a photo and just filter the death out of it but now that they're doing instagram stories you do that that's an awful lot of photos of your balding sepia head on a pair of skis <laughs> smiling like you're on some kind of experimental mood stabilizer yeah <laughs> but i'm not i'm not doing as much anymore but now with um with these stories they disappear after 24 hours so you don't really you don't really care whether it's a crap photo you just do whatever photos videos um but yeah i, I think it's a great opportunity am I, to am I interesting to, enough to tell those things to other people i don't think i am what no, happens but, but, in my normal life that anyone would care about to that degree give it a crack people 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 might Oh, I don't know. I feel like I'd be contributing noise on that basis. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. People have this. There's this shared delusion somewhere. Look, I, I, I kind of, I get one piece of what anonymous stick job is saying about social media. The fact that you continually think that your life and your internal monologue are interesting to other people and that there's a, 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 an implicit expectation in normal life, normal digital life now, that you should put yourself out there and say a bunch of stuff. Sure. Um, I don't think that's true. Um, I get in a lot of trouble for telling people occasionally that, that you know someone tells a long story on Facebook and it's incredibly boring. There's, you, you're not supposed to say that's incredibly boring. Like you just wrote an 800-word story about you buying coffee in a store. I, I've never had less respect for you than I do right now. And obviously, you know, a lot of the time people are, fair enough. This is, this is more to do with his shit personality than it is to do with my story being awful. But, but that's some up to you people, for following them, though. Some people can't even process the idea that what they're saying about themselves isn't fascinating or isn't desirable. I mean, well, the, 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 the whole the response to this is always, well, this is an opt-out kind of culture, you know? If you don't like it, then you can always go elsewhere. You, you, you can, but the, the two things apart from that is generally you add me, not the other way around. I'm not trying to force myself into your fucking life. Um, and... 
these become parasitic these platforms these things you need i my research now would be would be in trouble without facebook i talk to so many researchers about different things on facebook it's a good way to get in touch with people you just need something in a hurry sure. you know you can get them an alert you know they might not be checking their email you know if you know people personally you know, now i know where people are i can't talk to him he's on holiday for two weeks i know where he is we're friends now mm. you know whole departments full of people i get this you, you remember the old device, some of these little networks that you, you find out about stuff. People share things you need to know. I, after I did the Grimm paper, I started reading all of these uh, methodology groups. A lot of it I don't understand, but I need, I've, I need to keep on top of where the discussion is. So yeah. if you take it away, you know, it's, it's parasitized the ability to communicate in spite of it because it's made things too easy yeah so yeah true. it's very difficult to opt out of that um and you know i think you should be ashamed of your shit story about coffee but i, I think that one of the big problems with social media is that uh the validation is too easy you can do your shit coffee story yeah and then three people like it and you're like cool that was worth me spending three hours writing it oh. exactly the what do you mean um. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look. Write. Write more stuff, and then you'll suddenly find that uh, uh, the things things that are interesting to other people are not the things that are interesting to you. And I think that's something you can really definitely get over. <laughs> you know, I had to go. Ah, oh, it's been it's a really long time writing this thing. I really like it. And then it, you, you get the read statistics, and you go, "No one else gives a fuck." And they go, oh, this thing I did for fun and whatever. And you push it out there. You get the read statistics. You're like 15,000 people read this fucking thing. What? What, in three or four days or some shit? I just did, oh, okay. I had no idea people were interested in that. So, mm. you know, the moment you take it out of this means something about me and it's something that I think, you just, you know, unless you've got a remit where someone's telling you to write about something for money, everything, you have absolutely no idea how it will be received, what part of any algorithm it will hit. This is uh, one of the best things you can do about anything like that is to have an opinion and then shut the program, <laughs> you know? Only only come back if you're personally attacked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, look, last last question about this thing. Do you have any sympathy for this Instagram McTears here. I have a little bit of sympathy uh, because if you look at it one way, this person is just misinformed, just doesn't actually understand. Uh, he's either misinformed, doesn't understand the um, how to approach social media, um, or is someone who is part of a department where people are actually saying these insane things and this is just their reaction. And here they are. This thing, <laughs> here's a thing. Don't say something bad about social media when the thing was going to get shared enormously on social media and you're going to get universally... <laughs> the hashtag of serious <laughs> academics, like, it, it was going... It was going... Cr this is how you found this. So, hang on. The final irony. Yeah. You found yeah, this I found it. it to me because it has its own hashtag, which is yes. serious academic. Serious academic. And then, basically... <laughs> so, then people were going, were sharing oh, pictures silly. of... This is me being a serious academic. Just people were just farting around the lab, which is which is great, and that's how I found it through people. And there was actually a, a response article on the Guardian as well, which was a, a good you know tongue in cheek but good measured response, which we will post as well. Um, so yeah, I have a feeling people wouldn't have been as harsh if there was a name behind it, because to be honest, if you're going to be talking, you know, punching down to a PhD student, you, you're you're a bit of a jerk. So, because the person was anonymous, people went to town on them. But I think it's from them being purely misunderstood, misunderstanding social media rather than having all the facts and, and still going, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, well, now we're, you know, now I'm done being angry about it. This person's fine. I'm sure they've learned something. There's probably been a diversity of opinion. If it's going to have a thing and do the, the, the trending and whatnot, yeah. Um. Then you know, it sounds like they take themselves a bit seriously, but I'm sure there's a colossal adjustment to that. Maybe it's a maybe it's a good thing at the end of the mm. day. 
I don't know. Well, part of me hopes they're well. Now I've stopped being cranky. You know, that they didn't see all this stuff and go, well, that's it. Uh, you know, what happens? Uh, criticism in, in academia can be kind of... I, 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 there's... Uh, it, it's hard to find, I'll put it this way, it's hard to find another career where you can be in your early 20s and someone who's been in your field for 50 years will find your shit and want to directly tell you about how terrible it is yeah it's the the whole in the in the pursuit of things not being awful uh you you have to grow a very a very thick skin around stuff like that and uh mm. maybe this is someone's skin thickening process could be so all right look uh regardless of that i'm thoroughly sick of this topic right now let's take a break then let's do that Welcome back to the Everything Hurts podcast. I am a talking dog from space, and I eat only pate. And I am here with my co-host, a sentient twenty-dollar bill. <laughs> Sometimes I have no idea where you're going with those intros. Well, it doesn't. It's just that's just the shit that lives behind my eyes, man. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense even to me. Do you not have a constant parade of random interconnected bollocks happening in your head? I'm sure you do. Yeah, I think everyone does. Usually. Yeah, it's yeah. got to filter it out. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, that was very subtle. Did you see that? That's as close as Dan gets to actually personally criticizing me. This is. I keep telling people, this is why I agreed to do this in the first place. You're one of the nicest people that I know. And even spending time, quote-unquote, with you like this is... I wouldn't say it's not ever frustrating as much as it's... Uh, it's something that I enjoy. It is a it it's is good. a beneficial process. So a, when you suggested a, this in the first place, I thought, you know, that might be unterrible. And uh, it just fun. went from there. So when speaking of people who are unterrible, who's who's been nice to us? Where are you going to do your little parade of, of people who deserve a pat on their e back? <laughs> on the e back. Well, um yeah, we've had a lot of people who have been um uh, sharing our uh podcast on Twitter at, at Hertz Podcast. Um, one of our, our listeners who we spoke about last week, um, who was, um, listening to our podcast during his experiments, um, I, his name absolutely escapes me. Um, I'll have to... Is this the guy who was later. listening to the episode about strong within subjects results while doing a psychophysics experiment? That, that is the guy. That didn't is the we, guy. didn't we declare him the winner? Yeah, and he was uh, he was he was really excited to hear that, and uh, I believe he he was. Um, he totally uh, is the winner, though. So you know, yeah, that, that's just yeah. a gimme. So we we would love to hear how how you uh, hear or how how you are listening to our podcast, whether it's during experiments. Um, I know I listen to other podcasts on the way to work and uh, and doing all those kind of things. But uh, yeah, we really appreciate it when you say all those nice things. Um, we've had a few more people rating us on iTunes, which is great, boosting up uh, boosting up our stars. No they, one has uh, criticized me for chewing gum. No, no chewing gum. Because I haven't or, been. Or, which I is promise. good. Or, or, or being uh, misinformed. We've had we've had that we've had that uh, thrown our way as well. Oh. Yeah, that was that was a that was a weird one. No, that's um, fine. It's just uh, if I'm misinformed, I don't have much of a problem with being misinformed. The whole nature of this experience means that uh, I mean, it's it's you you think you know what you wish to communicate before you say it. Until you're mm. forced into an environment where you have to immediately know what you think. If you're used to having reflective thoughts about stuff, it can be a little bit challenging. Mm. So I super want to know if I get stuff wrong. Just telling me I'm wrong doesn't help. And people have told us that. And I know uh, that which, was which uh, that was good. The guy, the, the the thing about Plaus one, that was definitely correct. I googled yeah. that after we got off the episode. I went <laughs> straight to the keyboard. Oh, but I'm um, look up their financial information. Got to check it wrong. out. Can't be wrong on the internet. God, God knows you couldn't be wrong on the internet. Not, not, not at all. Not at all. But there, there is a few ways that you can support our show. Um, you can tell your friends. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you did that on Facebook or Twitter. Just search us on Facebook. You will find our page there where we also share our episode links. Mail and down a present. 
Yeah, that'd be great. That should be, we should get some little widget where people can send you a, a nice thing. A nice thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so please, please do that, and we would really, uh, really appreciate it. Now, speaking of our listeners, we've had uh, we've had some more listener questions come in, haven't we, James? Ah, uh, well, Jordan, the fire hose of curiosity. After we got answering the last ones, you could bam a couple more questions. Jordan, you are a curious man. Um, and I haven't told these to Dan, so he's got no chance to lie about him in the interest of springing either is it a statin or a Pokemon on me. Up yours, <laughs> by the way, Daniel. Um, I had to Google one of those I really should have heard of. Uh, the drug, I mean, not the, the fucking... Um, the Pokemon. <laughs> the Pikachu, whatever. Um, I still know very little about that, and it will remain so until the end of time itself. Um, all right, I like I liked this one best. What's your favorite part about research? Is it coming up with ideas, performing experiments, analyzing data, writing papers, discussing or disseminating work, etc.? Ooh, uh, it's Fine definitely not. question, but a good one. It, that that is a really good question. Um, it uh, it definitely. I've been cleaning up and finishing up a clinical trial and doing the final data audits for this trial. So it's definitely not that. That is um, <laughs> probably my least favorite part of research, but I would say um, just just discussing and talking shop with other people, mm. getting a result, not quite no not quite knowing you know what's going on and uh, and talking to other people and 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 figuring it out, um, but also just coming up with questions, um, and just stepping back and thinking that. I get paid to think about stuff and to read stuff and mm. to discover new things. I think that's the coolest part. That is a nice reflection. Until you spend six weeks writing a grant that doesn't get funded and you think you get paid to waste your life. <laughs> Do you want to hear mine? Yeah. Yeah. Let us know. What do you think it's going to be? <laughs> um... Interpreting data, yeah, Fig- figuring out what is going on. You're right. What these, what when are... when I have the idea and I set the parameters and the experiment and the data comes in and it's there, it's a monolithic block of thing, you know. And just after when it's been, but the 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 the, the shit stuff has been thrown away, and the ones where the wires became disconnected is thrown away, and the one where the person turned up and they were high on meth and took their pants off has been removed from the data set, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. At that point, there's a point where you go, "I am going to turn the data into information," hmm. where uh, I don't know if this is the case, but the people who are very, very good at writing computer code have described a state of mind where they're in what they're doing. That's where they're interpreting what they're doing. They're, they're thinking in code, or they can they can sit there and write thousands of lines of stuff, one after the other, and know what's happening and what they're trying to do and what they're actually trying to say. It's the point in time when you get to make the important decisions about turning physiological data into information. I like that part because it's the hardest and no one talks to me. Hmm. Uh, so you guessed perfectly correct. That's, that's good. All right. You want a lighter one? Yeah. These are all good. I like these questions. All right. What's your favorite technique or experiment to perform? You got a favorite? favorite? Maybe even a favorite paper or something. I don't know. Uh, favorite experiment to perform? Yeah, a technique, experiment. As I know you um, don't do a lot of that. Your work mainly consists of smiling at people or stealing their data and aggregating it. So, <laughs> Look, I, I prefer good, solid experimental stuff. Let's give people a drug. One is the active and one is placebo. And just doing a good, solid experiment and comparing things afterwards. Um, I don't like that uh, answer. <laughs> that's the truth. That's that's what I enjoy doing, and um, just honestly working with new things. Um, one of the cool new things that we did recently for our clinical trials is uh, acoustic rhinometry, which we've spoken about before in an oxytocin episode, where we look at the mm. anatomy and the physiology of the nasal cavity. And um, cool piece of equipment, relatively straightforward to use, and um, I just thought it was it was really nifty. So that was that was a lot of fun using that. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I would say that would be the uh, the the best parts. Hmm. Yeah. What, what, what much about nerdier answer to that? What about what about for you? Using my my favorite thing. It's quite simple once you come to understand it. And um, I had a piece of code that I dickered with endlessly. The, the parameters and how it works, which you can feed into it. But the for taking if you've got any form of physiological data, the my my favorite thing, the thing that I feel spiritually attached to now. Uh, it's obviously a colossal overstatement. I don't feel spiritually attached to it. I just really like what it's capable of doing. Is the continuous wavelet transform mm. with a uh, mullet, mullet wavelet, because you get a you 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 make a really strong visual representation of a stream of data over time. A really, really, you you get a really clear idea of what you're actually looking at. You turn it into a picture. You can flip through them like a flip book of eighty people or something like that, and look for commonality. You can mm. see into things, and it's reasonably quick and it's reasonably well accepted. It's still sort of, you know, this is sort of anyone who's a reasonable electrical software anything similar engineer go oh, yeah fair enough. But uh, most people in the social science is not particularly no. familiar with that. No. So, you know, but um, some people's perspectives, it, it might as well be magic. And from other people's perspectives, it's the most common thing in the history of humanity itself. Um, so there's nothing particularly good or bad about it. It's just I, I love the immediate snap of insight that you get out of that. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was definitely nerdier than my one. All right. Last question. You ready? Last last question. Last question. All right. What is a funny story you have from your work? And I'm going to preface this by saying actually funny. Actually funny. You're actually putting, funny. You're putting a lot of uh, a lot of pressure on me here. Well, a lot of the time oh. your stories are dreadful, so I'm just trying to <laughs> sort of gin you up a bit. Gin me up a bit. Now, now it's even it's even more pressure. Um. Oh. Okay, here's one that that um, might be funny because it was um, a, a massive oversight that we did when it came to our experimental design. But um, remember how we did the um, the social anxiety study yes. and, and HIV. Yeah. So we, we we had that, and we were having participants um, coming in visiting the lab, and um, we knew because we were actually filtering participants for social anxiety using a um, a big questionnaire that all the all the students got. So uh, the we, pre-screening questionnaire. Pre-screening. So everyone questionnaire. collectively, uh, uh, the whole year cohort does the thing. There's a, you mm. have a question in there that says, "Do you have the social anxieties?" And you try and choose people from them, and then you run them through the proper test. So you're pre-filtering for a condition. Yeah, that's right. exactly how it works, and it, it's a it's a fantastic way of doing it. So participants coming our way either were really healthy or were a bit socially anxious, but we wanted to try and keep that in the dark so that our our um, evaluation could be as objective as possible. So we, we had people coming uh, in. So your people people didn't know why they were being enrolled in the study. They didn't know, and we didn't know right. either. So people would come going, yeah, I've, I've, I've been said that I'm eligible for your study. And I'm like, great, fantastic. So it was myself and uh, and John Chalmers who who were doing the um the the um the evaluations to John doesn't it. listen to this, does he? He does. Ah, oh, I, th- I think he might. I know he's no, on. No, he doesn't. He's got oh, a job. He's got a job. He's, he's gone a- now. <laughs> he is gone. But we we were doing the evaluation, so we wanted to keep it as blind and as objective as possible. But then we noticed people were coming in. We're like, oh, are you here for the experiment? And um, and they're like, no, 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 I'm not here for the experiment. My my appointment was tomorrow. I just wanted to make sure that I was coming to the right room. <laughs> oh, that is some unblinding. <laughs> there, there is some really, uh, really, really solid unblinding, and that uh, we we tested about forty people with social anxiety from memory, and there was about ten or fifteen where that exact situation happened. There'd be two people walking down the hallway, and I'm like, hang on a minute, I've got one appointment, and one person goes, no, nah, no. Nah, I'm 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 next week. I'm just checking that I can find the room properly. So for next week, I come on time, and I'm like, 
Yeah, <laughs> that did not work. So we weren't able to um to 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 blind myself and and John to the uh to the to the clinical group. But uh, <laughs> so uh yeah, so there's a lesson for you if you are working with people with um with with social anxiety. That 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 can happen. Hmm. James, funny story, and it has to be funny. All right. Uh, that's that's not too hard because the first one uh it kicks in. Um, this is not from research. This is from teaching. Good. Okay. Um, I was teaching a, they, they had an introductory degree where the barriers to entry were not particularly high. Now that's not to say that the people who were coming in were thick or problematic. It's just the fact that it contained, it's a group that contained multitudes. This is a mixed ability room. There's a few people who don't know what they're doing at university, uh, never sort of bought the books in the semester, couldn't figure out where the room was, slept through class, and then there were people who were highly motivated and obviously quite intelligent, who believed all the shit they told them about how having a broad degree is a good idea. So one of the mixed ability, we're working on a, uh, we're working on a computer, and my back is turned. and there's a, a snap that sounds like someone with a huge hand clicking their fingers really hard, a really big snap. And I turn around and there's a uh one of the one of the guys is sitting there looking horrified, holding a, a, a metal pen near the back of a computer, which is now a little bit on fire. <laughs> There's a because voltages change between countries. He's taken a metal pen and flipped the voltage switch on the back of a computer while it was running. Why? As he said later, I just wanted to see what it would do. No. <laughs> now they don't handle how to handle the, this. This is there's no teaching manual that says what do you do when. The dopiest member of your class fries a PC. <laughs> the fire, fire, thankfully, was just a little thing. It's just it must have been something burning off the back of a case or something. But the thing, like though, uh, I don't think the circuit breaker even went. So I'd get down on, under the table, I was kicking the plugs out, <laughs> kicking the plugs out with my foot to get fire. everything unplugged, so that nothing went. And terrible. I had um, I had rubber soled shoes. I didn't think it would be a problem. I get down. I go, everyone, get back against the wall. I kick all the plug out. Look at this guy. And I went, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> he just wanted to see what would happen. And he said, I don't know. <laughs> I I have no idea what I think. Said, oh man, that could have been. If someone was, if someone was touching, uh, no one, no one was touching it. No one was quite close to it but imagine that it's just for from 220 to 110 yeah yeah because it's on australian power also oh, well yeah, it says 220 but it's still, the power is 240 yeah while it's running ah, <laughs> uh, we went just down the other end of the classroom and like i oh, forget all about that and i get an email from the like the, the it guy one of your students must have fried one of my computers and like oh don't you worry about that. <laughs> Let me handle the discipline in this particular case. Oh God! So, so I now was, in, in I the... was so concerned. It wasn't funny at the time, but how wonderfully every time I think about it in retrospect, I laugh myself sick because it's just a, it's just the most wonderfully boneheaded thing, and I can't describe the expression on his face. It's just sort of. <sighs> Like everything had been, every piece of sentience had been drained out. I was like looking at it, it stayed there for about 10 seconds like a wax figure. Of like, uh, just as if there was a hum behind his eyes. He was and, and not right expecting now, it to go bright spark. Burning. I bet there's a, um, yeah. there's a, lot of, a lot of students now who are puzzled as to why the syllabus says, do not change the voltage on your computer. Thanks to uh, uh thanks yeah, to class. That's a <laughs> that's a joke, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was rolled in somewhere. Yeah. Damn man. Uh funny funny stuff. 
funny stuff happening at the time. Oh, I wish science was more more beset with humour. And fire. Um, there's one one th- time though we used to write on the, in Sydney we used to write on the windows so I'd write ex- explanations <laughs> I remember and that and shit on the windows the window washer guy came past three times in one week and he's scrubbing the outside of the window trying to get the writing off the and outside it, we were we were two stories up yeah so we had to bring the long pole that he's scrubbing like like it was a problem to write on the fucking windows I mean they didn't give us a whiteboard I'll write on anything. Yeah, <laughs> but he kept coming back and tried to clean it off from the outside. He just couldn't figure out that it was written on the inside. Yeah, damn, we didn't lose a cancer cure when that fellow became a window washer. Yeah. I mean, what, what uh, am I going to be writing equations on the outside of the window? How did he, how did he expect Pixel to write? <laughs> I don't know. I just maybe someone had just gone. Hey, oi, oi, Leon, go go back and go back and just scrub that again. Give it, give it a dirty. scrub. Oh, you're not, you're not scrubbing hard scrub enough, it. mate. Yeah, you know, you just scrub right harder. through the glass. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I wish more funny stuff happened. I have a certain degree of jealousy from people who have fantastic work stories i think close lab environments where you're around people all the time you have a little bit more of a human experience and even all, the, all the animal types yeah well you know you're up to you're up to your wrist i've got plenty of people who got um uh great stories about how a rat pissed in their mouth and things like and that's <laughs> the like the 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 thin end of the wedge uh, like, uh, wet lab stories go real sort of oh yeah and then he's brought the corrosive stuff all over his shoes and the top started to come off and he's trying to kick his shoes off and screaming and one flew off and it hit the light fitting and the room went dark <laughs> we didn't know where all the rats with aids were plenty of people got cool stories like that actually if you've got a funny science story i bet you people have probably got better funny funny lab stories than we do far better yeah you know it's just it's a kind of an environment of where you work there's nothing funny about committee meetings are there so <laughs> someone falls asleep with their mouth open and starts snoring but that Oof. only occasionally happens that's like an emeritus move that's an emeritus move yeah yeah so you don't see a lot of that stuff <laughs> so yeah there you go Thanks rather the, than sending question, horror stories send us send us a someone send me a funny story for next week so i don't have to think for a few minutes <laughs> we'll wrap it up then for today thanks for listening remember to um, rate us talk about us on social media and uh, and tell your friends but uh, yeah we will be back again next week we will you're all beautiful people <laughs> bye bye cheers